This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Hello, everybody. Did you know that you could support the Pencils and Lipstick podcasts and help it keep going into 2021 and beyond? We are over at patreon.com forward slash pencils underscore lipstick. You can find three different levels over there in which you can help keep the show going. Part of the structure of Patreon is that anyone who helps the creative keep going in their creativity get sort of these extra bonuses, these sort of thank yous for being a supporter of that artist or show or whatever it is. I have three different levels over on Patreon for the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. And going into 2021, I decided that I was going to take some time to go back and talk to some of the creatives that came on the show last year and get a little bit deeper about how they survived 2020, what their thoughts were, what they think 2021 will be like, and how they think art contributes to all of this stuff that's going on. So those conversations will not be coming out on the podcast, but they are going to be on Patreon um, behind the tiered walls over there. They are going to be trickling out fairly soon, like Next week, I'll start dropping the first ones. If you want to get to know the creatives a little bit more and hear a little bit more about their story and how they have handled what's going on in the world, head on over to patreon.com forward slash pencils underscore lipstick and sign up today to help keep the show going. Do you think comedy is an art form? I talked to Dave Ebert about that and many other things on the comedy improv side. He has not only been a comedian, but he's also been a radio host, a wrestler, a pastor, and now a podcaster. There are so many things that we can do with our creativity that can help the world. We talk about how comedy has changed and what he did in 2020 to continue bringing his laughter to the people around him. Laughter is a form of hope, and we need hope right now. So I encourage you to listen to Dave Ebert and then to go find him at all of the places that he'll tell you about. He's in three different places. They're in the show notes below as well. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. Today, I have with me Dave Ebert. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be a part of uh, the show. Thank you. I'm excited to have you. So you are a comedian. Well, that's one of your gifts, right? Mm-hmm. And here's my question for you. Typically, I allow you to introduce yourself, but I, I have a burning question. Okay. I have a little girl who is definitely on the track of being a comedian. Is it more important for a comedian to entertain themselves or entertain the people around them? Because I seem to, my <laughs> viewpoint is that they really just want to make themselves laugh. And if everyone else laughs, well, that's a plus. <laughs> well, and it, it, a lot of comedians have that focus. They're, they just go out and they do whatever they think is funny. And as, usually the crowd is right with them. And 
for me, mine was always trying to make others laugh. That that's what gave me joy. So it could work either way. If it's if it's a passion to just create laughter and joy, either for yourself and then let other people come for the ride, or if it's a passion to just give other people the opportunity to laugh, either one works. And uh, yeah. so if your little girl uh, enjoys making herself laugh and it's truly funny to other people, maybe she's got a future. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I feel like she's in a vacuum sometimes. I'm like, you are your biggest fan, aren't you? And she's 10 now and she's like, yeah. <laughs> okay well hey. maybe you just set up the camera in front of her and start a youtube channel see if you can make some money off of her <laughs> <That's true. laughs> exploit her <laughs> she had to go through labor i, I deserve something <laughs> exactly <laughs> so when did you discover that you were funny was it as young um as 10 younger than that when was it well, I really started trying to entertain and give people opportunities to laugh uh, probably as young as two years old. Oh, wow. um, and I just cite that because there was a uh, Polaroid picture of me at a pool and I was uh, flexing in the story behind that, uh, you know, for those uh, that don't know, uh, flexing is, you know, just, you know, showing my muscles, which at two years old, I wasn't that defined. So just picture chubby kid, chubby arms, trying to look cool. But what was happening is at our pool, there was a bodybuilding competition on the other side. And I decided I was not going to allow them to have all the pop, you know, all the attention. So I tried to steal it by flexing for my mom and dad and, and their friends. And it was like from that moment, I was hooked to try to give people a chance to laugh. I would write funny stories or even before I could write, I would just write like loops and lines and stuff and, and read these stories that were, I was making up as I was reading, reading quote unquote stuff that, yeah. you know, wasn't actually language. Uh, so it was very early that making people laugh was just, it was almost a drug for me. It was just hearing laughter, knowing that I was making a difference and, and, I mean, at two years old, I didn't think about making a difference. I just enjoyed the sound of people laughing. But, right. you know, just connecting with people in a way where they felt better was just like an instinctively uh, great thing for me. Yeah. And there's there's a couple of different ways to make people laugh. You know, you have the the sort of English, Irish, very dry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the Adam Sandler sometimes ridiculous. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I guess I'm showing my age with Adam Sandler. So what kind of, of humor do you have? What what do you typically tend towards? Is like, you know, I see a lot of YouTube videos now of like kind of just making absurd fools over the top of themselves, which seems to really get the kids. You know, <laughs> maybe it changes with age too. <laughs> In all honesty, I don't have a type. Uh the mm. one thing that I I love to do that usually drives people nuts is I love wordplay. I love puns. I love the dad joke, but at the same time, uh, because a lot of my comedy and performing training comes from eight years as a pro wrestler. So there's physical comedy. I like to do. I like intelligent humor where you have to think to get it. So I don't have a type, but the one I'm most known for because it drives more people nuts is, you know, doing the puns. Yes. And uh, just like, stop. <laughs> oh, stop. I, I, I may or may not have caused a few aneurysms. I, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> now, I have to say my oldest loves puns and dad jokes. She can't help but laugh. 
she will say over and over how dumb they are, but she's giggling while she says them. So right. you definitely have an audience. And, and I grew up on those. Like, you know, you would go back and forth on the puns. Like, who had a better vocabulary really was the underlying competition in the family. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then if you could break out into song using the puns, you know, I mean, it could it could go on forever. Well, you would lose listeners if I started trying to sing right now. <laughs> you and me both. We'll we'll spare them that. <laughs> so you mentioned wrestling. How did how did wrestling fit into your life? Well, I became a fan of wrestling late uh, in high school. I just happened to be flipping the channels, and uh, there's Ric Flair in all of his robe and glitz and glamour. And as he's walking to the ring, there's this really large lady with uh, a few teeth missing who was just getting in his face on the camera yelling that she was going to beat him up, basically. And it was like, wait, this is really weird. (laughs) And so I just started watching, and then things started to get exciting. This was about the time that the NWO came in. Uh, So it was like I I picked it up at the right time. And I, uh, for those that are are obviously listening can't see me, I'm about 6'2". Uh, right now, uh, you know, about uh, 350, somewhere in there. And back then I was over 400 pounds. So I was, and I was also an athlete. So I was like, I should try this out. And I found a couple of friends in college that were doing it uh, as a backyard hobby, mm. which not the crazy stuff that you see on, uh, you know, these expose videos, but, you know, it was basically the same as doing pickup basketball, you know, just a bunch of friends getting together, doing their thing. And from there, my, uh, the radio station I was working at, you know, a lot of weird connections there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the radio station I was working at had a show come into town that advertised with us. And they thought, hey, let's use one of the DJs to come down and uh, cross promote. So I jumped at it and uh, um, I managed the the promoter or the owner of the show. And then a couple of months later, he said, why don't we have a match? And I was like, okay, I have a little bit of backyard experience. Maybe we could do it. And a funny story is, you know, pulling back the curtain, wrestling is, you know, it's scripted. It's not fake because there are things that happen that you can't fake. You can't fake falling down on plywood 10 times a, a night. It, 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 it <laughs> does hurt. But the very first opening thing of the match was I was working and you're know, trying to get the crowd into it. And they were buying it because I was a local quote unquote celebrity. So uh, this guy grabs a chair and he hits me in the back so hard that it shocks me. And I totally don't sell it. I totally don't tell the story that, oh, ouch, that hurt. I did the, you know, like the, the Jason Voorhees monster slow turnaround, realizing that I just messed up huge in my first ever match. Uh, but uh, the crowd bought it because I am fairly large. You're like, oh, okay. He absorbed that. That's awesome. And uh, so that was my first match. And uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd be so yeah. mad. <laughs> well, he hit me a couple more times just to make sure I knew what to do. But uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> He's like, I got to knock sense exactly. in you. Come on. <laughs> and, and I just remember that moment where you know the chair you, you hit flat seat to your you know to the flesh and. You know, just remember that pop, and it was like just that moment shock because it was the first time anyone had done that to me. It was like, oh, crud, I was supposed to go down. I was supposed to say, ouch. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, of course, with your buddies, you're not scripting anything. You guys are just kind of doing whatever you want. 
So was that like the new thing, like being scripted and having to not really having control of you, your whole performance, I guess. Well, with with wrestling, the usually the beginning is, is scripted. The the story, okay. line, the overall arc of the storyline is scripted. But what happens okay. in a match live in front of people or in front of the camera, most of that's improv, and most of that is just silent or you know very low volume communication between the performers, including the referees. So okay. that's why I say that most of my improv training comes from wrestling, is because we go out there. And based on uh, the chemistry I had with my opponent, uh, based on how the audience is feeling about what was going on in the ring, and also to make sure that the show overall is successful, we would either, if the crowd is really into it and it's going great, we would extend the time. Uh, if the crowd is not into it at all, we would cut it short. If my partner or the, the opponent was not feeling well or is not having a good match, we would end it soon. You know, different things like that. And that, you know, those are all kind of fundamentals of improv comedy where if the crowd's into a scene, you'll let it go a little bit longer. If the crowd's not mm. buying it at all, you'll do an edit and you'll get out of there because you're protecting not only the scene and the performers, but you're protecting the whole show to make sure that people get their money's worth, get their entertainment value so that they'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it reminds me like how important entertainment is to humans. Like it, you know, it, for some reason, I'm thinking Shakespeare as you say this, but I mean, it's kind of the same thing, you know, back in his day, women weren't allowed on stage. So he had to have the the men and a lot of it was improv. Like he made up tons of words because of it. He's just like riffing off of, you know, whatever's going on. Right. And it's so important to like keep people entertained. That's such an important human aspect of us. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing about us, but it's also like important to keep to protect the entertainers too, to make sure that they're going forward. Like what a funny interaction we have as humans. Yeah. Uh, so technically you guys are friends yeah. or you at least are, are kind of riffing off of each other and you want things to go well right. for the other person. That's interesting. I don't know a whole, a whole lot about wrestling. Maybe I should get into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have a high threshold for pain and uh, don't mind getting sweaty, it, it might work. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. You've already sold me on not doing it. So. <laughs> uh, so you did that for eight years, huh? Yeah. Uh, eight years, mostly on weekends. Uh, just um, traveling uh, West Virginia, Virginia, parts of North Carolina, and uh, you know, helping set up, tear down the ring, set up and tear down the uh, um, the arena or the, the venue we're at. And go out there for eight to 20 minutes and just tell a story. That's fine. So you are a storyteller. Yes. In the in the midst of this, are you still doing comedy? Or do, do you consider that, like, were you a funny wrestler? Like, was that part of your your persona? Yeah, my uh, persona was kind of loosely based off of who I was on the radio. Just a local guy, somebody everybody knows. But... I was always goofy. I came out dancing, which uh, a large man in spandex dancing is always going to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's either funny or requires therapy after, but mostly funny. (laughs) (laughs) You just got to get the crowd worked up and they'll be fine. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I was always trying to be funny and we always joked in the locker room trying to entertain each other. 
Uh, a lot of the things that I would say in the locker room, you know, at this time I wasn't in a relationship with the Lord. So there's a lot of things that I said back then in wrestling that I can't repeat now, but mm-hmm. the principle was always the same of, you know, just trying to be light and, and fun and uh, just enjoy being around people and bringing a little bit of joy to a world that's, you know, very dark and uh, very challenging. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, comedy has always been one way or another. Uh, it's been comedy slash performing because, you know, did radio, right. did wrestling. And uh, those aren't strictly you know, comedy based, but there are always comedy elements because you got to have that variety. Um, you can't have uh, even on radio. You got to have a few jokes here and there, a few one liners just to kind of if nothing else to get people just to like as they're driving, just kind of look at the radio like, did they just say that? <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing worse than a DJ that is. It's really obvious they are uncomfortable or new, or they just have nothing right. to say. <laughs> like this is live air. I, I'm one of those who will feel embarrassed yeah. for you, and so if I'm driving and they don't know what they're doing, I always like, oh, producer, yeah. put it off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Go ahead, work with them a little bit, get them a partner. I don't know. Something. Somebody hit the gong, oh, get them out of there. Yes, I know. I was, so I think it's. It's one of the, the comedy is one of those things that has kind of changed a lot in the last few years. Like, you know, we think of, we might be around the same age. So growing up in the nineties or whatever, and comedy was a very different thing than it is now. And to be fair, I don't watch any of the late night shows. I actually don't watch television. So, but I've watched it uh, like on the internet. I've watched, you know, everything sort of. Yeah. I don't know, explode, I would say, like dismantle itself. Um, television has changed. Comedians have changed. And I have seen clips of late night where I'm like, that's not, I don't know. It's just right. not funny. Maybe I'm just not into it. But how have you seen this? Um, have you seen a shift or is this just me getting old <laughs> and cranky? I guess. <laughs> well, there's definitely been a shift, uh, especially I would say in the last 15 years. Uh, in the 90s, Humor was, there was the dirty, the blue humor, but it wasn't done by everybody. It seems like so many of the big mm-hmm. ones are always going for that low-hanging fruit and going for the shock value, whereas back in the, in the 80s and 90s, you had those that went there, and usually they went there with mm-hmm. more intelligence so that it wasn't so right. blatant and so vulgar. There was a little bit of thought they had to go into it, so... If a, a kid walked in the room, they might not get it. Now all the kids know the joke right. before most of the adults. Yeah. I think there's a lot of more vulgarity. It's more out there and more accepted. And I also think that there's a lot more mean comedy. I think that mm. especially when it comes to politics or or societal issues, I think that instead of using comedy as a way to create thought and create discussion and create seeing people's other side, you know, seeing the other perspective. Comedy is just, it is very mean, especially on the late night shows. Uh, I think it's uh, Saturday night, Saturday night live has in many ways gotten very mean because of their political ideology. And I think the late night host, if there's a lot more meanness back in the eighties, nineties, there was more balance. It was like, yeah, we're going to pick on Reagan. We're going to pick on Clinton. We're going to pick on Bush. And we're going to do it in a way that that's funny and it's kind of lighthearted. And it's just like little pokes and jabs. 
Whereas now it, it feels like it's a personal vendetta vendetta in some cases. Right. And yeah. And they're not as willing to make fun of everyone. Like, I feel like for, to your point, when they're making fun of everyone, they kind of pick on everyone. They do it in such a way that if they had the opportunity to get them on the show, the person would still come on the show, Absolutely, you know, because they don't feel like, yeah, that is funny how I say that. Yeah. That is funny what I did, you know? And like, you have a, a sense of humor about it. Whereas sometimes now you just think like, geez, why would they right. go on your show? <laughs> you obviously, you hate them. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. And then I see a lot of, um, like, I love the 80s, 90s, 70s, when people would make fun of even the people they agree with in real life, but there's stuff to pick yeah, on about absolutely. everyone. You know, and it wasn't like, oh, that person's off limits. No, they're they're on limits because like like you you have to make fun of them. They're in the political field. Like everyone should be made fun of over there in in, in government, you know. Um, and and you didn't get the sense that like comedians were super mm-hmm. biased. And that I, I I liked that. I like when it's but, a little bit of everybody, and I think that's why. And I don't watch it, but I do appreciate the fact you know, shows like South Park. They pick on everybody. There's not. <laughs> an agenda there it doesn't matter who you are you're going to get picked on if you have if you have a platform you're going to be picked on and i i really appreciate <laughs> yes. that and they predict the future I'm sorry <laughs> they predicted yeah. the future between them and the simpsons i i think that we should study every episode and figure out well what's going to happen now in 2021 now that all this has happened that's true actually we should go back and binge watch <laughs> all of them and be like okay what's next <laughs> aliens probably <laughs> They both go into aliens. Yeah, I wish South Park wouldn't drop as many F-bombs because now that I'm a little more into Jesus, F-bomb kind of like makes me cringe a lot. But so I was um, trying to watch, is it Dave? Dave Chappelle? Not Chris Rock. Dave Chappelle. I want to say Dave Smith. That must be another person. So Dave Chappelle. And it was funny, but it just... I just can't the, yeah. the words. <laughs> so then I had I had to turn it off. the The beginning was very funny. He has a funny sense of humor, and it's so funny because he went to this the high school here in DC that's so prestigious for the arts and whatever. And it's when I heard that, like I moved here in July, and it's a beautiful school. It's like this brilliant white, you know, and it's up on mm. this hill, and it's gorgeous, and it's obviously for the arts because it has like these funky statues in there. And it was the first time I really thought of comedy as mm. an art, as an art form. You know, I guess I, I just hadn't thought of that in in those words. So have you ever considered yourself performative art, like as an art, your comedy? I've thought of it kind of as an art, but not like in this frou-frou, like, hey, I do art. I am special. <laughs> I'm an artist. It's, I mean, I <laughs> and I believe it's an art. I believe it's a form of entertainment. It's a form of communicating ideas uh, because many mm. times, uh, as I kind of hinted at earlier, the comedy was sometimes used as a way to get people to think. Um, it, it, yeah. You could receive a hard message through humor that you could never receive in a, a straight conversation because you're laughing, yes. but you also, your mind is going to start thinking like, hey, wait, there's something to what was just said. Maybe I should consider this and change my point of view or at least appreciate the point of view of somebody else. So there it, it right. is definitely an art form. It's definitely a, an important communication tool, uh, especially like with improv. Yes. It can 
be so useful for getting people out of their own way, getting people to uh, listen and respond in positive ways instead of just reacting. Um, reacting is sometimes dangerous, but if you're able to listen right. and then respond, you're able to have some thought behind it to where it, it may not always be pleasant. It may be a disagreement, but if you're responding instead of reacting, there can come an understanding where reacting ends up creating walls and conflict. Right. But it's funny that you say that because the the person I interviewed last week, Deborah, she talked about reacting and she's, she's in yeah. PR, you know, but like, I think that is something that we're all seeing is that we're all super mm-hmm. reactive instead of being very much more pensive about what to say or what our actions should be. Um, and it is honestly killing comedy because then when you, you don't know where people are coming from. So a lot of our comedy now is on, you know, text almost, you know, like you're reading it on Twitter, you're reading it on Facebook or you're reading it on the, you know, wherever. And people just, they don't know how to put in that, Mm-hmm. The humor, <laughs> like, like uh, my favorite story is when the Babylon Bee is like fact check false. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's, it's the Babylon Bee, <laughs> you know, like, it's a satire. Right. But I think that is like, that is a, an overall picture of where society is right now, where it's like, oh, somebody couldn't filter through like the comedy because it's written. And so they just put mm-hmm. in their own, you know, thoughts and got offended. And that's not true. <laughs> Like oh, which made it even funnier, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, and and uh, one of the things that about my church is one of the things that they have for leaders is you will as part of you becoming a leader there, you never you or you agree to never get into any argument over any sort of text, whether it's email, uh, text message on your phone, oh wow, uh, conversations on social media, because. You know, in, in communication, there there's so many limits on black and white text. Uh, all caps can be misconstrued. Uh, what you mean for excitement right. can sound or seem like anger. And um, right. what, when you respond okay to a text, do you interpret that as like you're bothered, but you're just responding because you have to? Or are you really saying, oh, that's okay? So, yes. <laughs> oh, I just read a whole thread about that on Facebook where they're like, and and half the people were like, they hate it as a response. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I say okay all the time. <laughs> you know? And then it's whereas me, I'm like, okay, like that's that's the tone I have in my head. So I love that your your church doesn't allow you to get upset. Like it yeah, there's very little, there's no eye contact, there's no emotion to attack. There's <laughs> you you don't understand where somebody's coming from, and it's so quick. Mm-hmm. quippy like yeah we need to so where do you think comedy is going to go especially like in the church i don't think many people think of the church as being funny or christians being funny i i uh, i'm not sure i mean i know some funny christians but i think in general we we don't have that reputation and to the reputation thing i would always i always tell people do you really believe that 13 men, mostly roughnecks, people who worked on boats or even the tax collector, do you think 13 men 
wandered the desert for three years together and didn't have moments of laughter and levity. Do you think that they were probably doing backyard? Yeah, wrestling. maybe. Come on, it's a desert. <laughs> and, and they would try to wrestle Jesus, and he would take their hip out of joint, and he'd be like, "You're Jacob now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna walk yeah. with a limp. <laughs> but I mean, you just think about it. You get a group of people together for a long period of time. You don't develop the love and adoration that eleven of the twelve had for Jesus yeah. without moments of levity, because. Being around Jesus was not 24-7, thou shalt not. There were there had to have been moments. I mean, I have a feeling that some of the disciples around the fire at night would pick on Peter, like, oh, help me, Lord, I'm drowning. Uh, <laughs> but and, and That's so true. there's some lines that Jesus has where it's like, we don't have, like the what we just talked about text, we don't have the context of mm-hmm. the delivery. And you read it, it's like, that could have been him just being very snarky. Uh, the mm-hmm. eye, uh, the camel through the eye of a needle. Um, there are some cultural things where it could be something as part of like entering the entering Jerusalem. Or it could have been Jesus just being facetious and like, you know, if you're rich, you're going to have a harder time than trying to get this camel through the eye of a needle. And God gave us laughter. Uh, there is no doubt that laughter has health benefits. And yeah. it has emotional, spiritual, physical benefits. And I don't think that God creates something or allows something to be created that is that beneficial, that isn't intended to be a gift. So mm. I think that, first of all, we have to think that Jesus was fully human. He had to have moments of laughter because nobody has the kind of love and adoration of people without moments of levity, without moments that they can share and joy together. And how yeah. many times do you feel the joy of the Lord and the best way to express it is laughter. Like yeah, sometimes you're just true. like, you have no words. So it just comes out as laughter. Yeah. So laughter is a gift from God. And we're seeing with the rise, you have 2020 excluded of how many Christian comedians are out there that are open about their faith, that are open about comedy. Uh, you think about Michael Jr., Tim Hawkins, Bob Smiley. Um, you think about uh, guys that have been around like Brad Stein, who are just open. Hey, I'm a Christian. I do clean comedy. I, I just comment on reality. I don't sit here and tell jokes about the Bible, but I do things that are funny about humanity, but I do it in a way that's accessible for all people. And you right. see these guys that are touring, they're going from church to church to church, and they're uh, just making people laugh and bringing the joy of the Lord and the light of the Lord into places where people need exposure to the correction. Because I know that a lot of people think, oh, you're, you're a bunch of rule followers and you can't have fun. No, you can have a lot of fun. I mean, we serve the ultimate creator. He created a lot of fun things. It's just that you got to use those fun things in the way that he designed, not the way that we in our flesh desire. True. True. And I think as people get really tired of the shot comedy, Mm -hmm. because I was listening to a a Canadian uh, comedian that sounded weird, Canadian (laughs) comedian, (laughs) and she was talking about how like she's tired of it and she's not a Christian at all, but she's like, nobody cares. I think even Bridget Phetasy said this as well. We're like in that world. Even if you're not a Christian, they're like, nothing's shocking anymore. Everyone's done it. Like you're not Madonna. Cut it out find something else like the new shocking is 
being funny without being vulgar. Exactly. And that's so funny to like have that full, you know, circle around. Like if you watch the old comedians, like I'm talking like the 1950s, 60s, like they'd have a whole like 15 minute talk and then the punchline at the end, like you had to be paying attention (laughs) to what they were saying, you know, you're like, oh, oh, he did have a point. That was funny, you know? So, and I think as the world turns on its head, you guys are more important than ever because I mean, 2020 is one of those years. I just went through my agenda and sort of pulled out the old pages ready to put in the new. Like, man, that was a weird year. And yet to be like, I think a lot of people are ready to dismiss the year. You know, it's like, oh, it's cruddy. It was terrible. Let's like, let's just forget it. I can't help but also think it was pretty awesome in some respects. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were willing to sort of step back and look around and realize, I'm not saying awesome, like, yeah, I had so much fun, (laughs) but, but it could, it was a year of growth if you wanted it. Yeah. It was a year of, of, you know, eye opening if you wanted it. And I think a year for comedians to actually find a different way to get people to pay attention to them. Yeah. You know, I found some really funny people on YouTube where they were just like, like exactly how all of us feel. We want to, we want to bust out of our houses, but they did it in such a way, you know, like, I think we watched John Chris video, like, 15 times you know (laughs) he's like i'm going to you know he's going crazy and a couple other people like they really shone through and i think that's in a lot of art if you were able to get through this year seeing a a little different perspective i think 2020 might be a good year (laughs) i don't know what you think about that i think it was definitely a year of growth and you could have either sat back and said Oh, there's no shows. There's no opportunity to go out and be with people, or you teach yourself how to operate Zoom and find ways that way. Uh, for my uh, improv team, uh, Wellverse Comedy, we spent the summer uh, doing weekly Im- improv shows over Zoom. Um, nice. We um, would uh, stream live to Facebook. My wife would be in the other room looking at Facebook and watching the comments. Comedies is usually suggestion driven Mm. as kind of the way to show, Hey, this is not scripted. We're making this up. So we get suggestions. Uh, One challenge is zoom stream to Facebook. There's about a 30 second lag from do in the meeting to what broadcast. So to kind of bridge that gap, we had uh, my wife uh, was looking in the comments to give us the suggestions. So we'd ask for it. She would be able to tell us right away. Or she would also just type in questions asking for the suggestions so that it'd be ready. So we did that for about four months, maybe five, of just doing weekly improv shows. And we brought in people from around the country to to be guests, and they performed with us. And it's one of those things where you got to overcome. Number one, you want to be creative. You want to do something that scratches that itch. Uh, doing a Zoom show, I always compare it as like, I have a re- I have a taste for Mexican. I can only afford Taco Bell right now, so <laughs> not the same. Thing. Not the same thing. It, it'll scratch the itch, and you know Taco Bell is good in its own right, but it's not authentic Mexican. So right. once uh, the Mexican restaurant, oh, we'll go back. 
But the thing is, it scratches the itch. It allows you to be creative. It forces you to be mm-hmm. creative in a different way. With sure. our performances, there was no feedback. So we had to trust each other that if you're laughing at something, then it's probably funny for them. And so we can you know, do the, the pause to allow the laughter to happen. And a lot of standard yeah. comedians tried doing Zoom. Some of them found success by muting everybody, but knowing their material well enough that they could pause where they knew that there would be a laugh. Um, others, they tried to do the Zoom where everybody's mic is on so they could hear the laughter. But as I'm sure you know, when you have more than two people speaking at a Zoom meeting, if there's laughter from 15 or 20 windows, you can't hear a thing. It's all jarbled and people are cutting in and out. So you don't know how well it's going. Right. So this year has but been But I good. think people were willing to be there for it, yeah. you know, because it got to the point where we needed it. And I think the, like you're saying, the best thing about this year is that things that you wouldn't have been able to, to try otherwise, mm-hmm. like imagine, you know, you're, for some reason you have to stay in your house, like you break a leg or you're sick or whatever. You're like, Oh, let's do a zoom call. Everyone else is going to in 2019 is going to be like, no, yeah. <laughs> like why would we do that now? 2020 rolls around and everyone's like, sweet. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> you know. And, um, and just so you know, I'm drinking from a red solo cup, but it's only water. I don't to know <laughs> to think that I'm uh, over here partying. <laughs> you know, in Wisconsin, we only pour beer into this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no ping pong ball sitting in here either. <laughs> <laughs> no ping pong ball, no quarter. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, yeah, let's not let's not do flashbacks to, to <laughs> high school. <laughs> this is a clean show. Yeah, I'm so a good you... boy, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, so you you did wrestling, um, and then you have a podcast. So when when did podcasting come into your life? Towards the end of 2018, I felt like I was like I have a lot to I want to say, <laughs> and so mm. and also I felt God putting on my heart to start a, a podcast. And I wrestled. What is it going to look like? What's it going to sound like? Is it just going to be me just? rambling on and then i started thinking about well i really love sharing testimonies and talking about what god has done in people's lives so mm-hmm. it became a, a testimony show and about using and about demonstrating how people are using their gifts uh, and those gifts could be anything from their talents just their passions or what they've learned from life experience and they're using those gifts as a way to serve God and serve people. And, you know, that's what uh, the comedy was founded on. That's what Gifts for Glory is all about, is our gifts for his glory. Right. It's not about us. It's not about the performers. It's not about me as a podcast host. It's about pointing as many people as possible to God or back to God if you've walked away. And so I started off by interviewing the guy that uh, helped me found the comedy group. Uh, Ryan McChesney and and in my very early stages I didn't know how to drive a conversation so uh, it's basically two hours of him talking and me inserting a question every once in a while <laughs> but then my old radio instinct started kicking back in in later interviews and and it's gotten better it's evolved over time I uh, added a, a devotion at the beginning of the show and uh, you, you listen to the first episode and listen to the one 
that just uh, came out and you're like, well, those are two different shows, but uh, yes, I never encourage anyone to go back and listen to my first shows. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. I actually started getting um, people back on those who came in on the first six months. I'm like, thank you so much for coming when I had no idea what I was doing. Will you come <laughs> back on now that I know what I'm doing? <laughs> Can you come back for a take two? <laughs> take two, please. <laughs> you know? Well, and especially, I mean, kudos to them when you don't really have an audience yet. You know, you're just kind of like, I hope my mom's listening. Right. <laughs> Will you come talk to me? <laughs> But I love the intersection a bit with pencils and lipstick. I tell people all the time that they they were created to do something. Mm-hmm. Like you're unique. You have a unique take on things. Whether I mean, there's yeah, thousands of artists in the world, but the way that you paint or the way that you sculpt or the you know, the way that you do comedy or your writing or whatever, it's unique. And your your look out on the world is unique. Mm-hmm. And all of those gifts should be used. I think that we live in an awesome age. But we also have so many distractions that it's easy not to use our gifts. And the more we can encourage people to use their gifts. And and I mean, I'm not anti-TV. I definitely watch TV because that's that's another formative art, you know, things that are worth it. But I think that between social media and television, we have been encouraged not to use our gifts because there's only so much time in the day, you know. And so I love that intersection of like, okay. People have found their gifts. They've found a way to use their gifts and you can too. Yeah. You know, I th- and, and the world would honestly be better if we would all use our gifts and, and find our gifts. Honestly, like the self-reflection on finding what other gift you have besides comedy, you know, maybe it's leadership, maybe it's podcasting, maybe whatever it is. Yeah. Finding that is a great journey in itself. I'm going to get all preachy now. (laughs) And, and, you know, as a Christian, you know that God has given you a calling on your life and Mm -hmm. he's given you certain gifts, abilities, and allowed or is using certain experiences uh, that you've been through so that you can reach people that other people can't reach. Um, There have been things that I've been through, uh, through my depression and, and different things that give me a sensitivity and ability to speak to certain people that maybe even you couldn't reach. Um, The fact Mm -hmm. that I'm a guy gives me an opportunity to speak to people that maybe wouldn't listen to a a woman and vice versa. There may be people that you can speak to that would never listen to a very handsome, funny man like me. (laughs) You don't have to laugh that hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no one can see me. My, my husband this morning, I said, he's like, let's go for a walk. I'm like, no, I have to get this ready. (laughs) He's like, it's a podcast. I'm like, I'm a woman. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we paint our nails not because you guys can see it in 2020. It's because it makes us feel pretty. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) This is what we do. Hey, I do the same thing. Y'all can. Exactly. All the listeners can just imagine us as very, very good looking. Exactly. Adults right now. (laughs) They can use their imagination. Uh, So how are you also a pastor? Is that correct? I'm a credentialed uh, minister and, um, my wife and I do a children's ministry. We work uh, with uh, our kids' church program. Uh, so okay. occasionally we'll uh, give a, a message as kind of a guest speaker, either at my church or they've um, gone and given messages other places. It's I don't know what God's going to do with it yet. I don't know where he's going to take us. But it felt like I needed uh, the credential so I, I could you know, look legit. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody would like to send an Jesus, offering to me, no. <laughs> <laughs> see the church can make fun of us. Yeah. 
what are your plans for 2021? How do you think that this year is going to shape up? Or how are you going to make it shape up, basically? Because nobody knows how it's going to. But how are you going to shape 2021? Well, I'm going to uh, go out and now that I've kind of mastered Zoom, I'm going to still I'm going to offer more improv uh, classes via Zoom. Okay. One of the things I, I volunteer and I serve at is a, a, a group called Salt and Light Coalition, and they uh, rescue or they serve women who have been rescued from uh, human and sex trafficking. And I teach improv uh, as a way to build communication, creativity, uh, and self-esteem. And doing it over Zoom these last 10 months or so, I'm like, well, this could actually work in a more commercial, I guess you could say, environment or for, uh, and I primarily gear my teaching towards ministries uh, to help Mm -hmm. people kind of get out of their own way so that they're able to share their testimony, share the gospel without fear. So. 2021, I'm going to do some more uh, improv coaching via Zoom and prayerfully looking at, you know, finally things opening back up so that we can do it in person. And I'm uh, going to do some more comedy uh, via Zoom because as if we're not already Zoomed to death between our remote working, uh, kids' education, but at least Zoom could be entertaining for 30 minutes, an hour at a time where a couple of people just get in their little squares and uh, try to be funny. Yeah. And you know what? It is what it is. Like, I think that we have to, like you get out of the box and accept a little bit of where we Mm -hmm. are. And if you want to move forward, you gotta, we can't just wait around for everything to open up. Like maybe some people can afford to do that. Um, But I, I would, I would like to encourage anyone who has been like stuck, you have to just find a way to use what you have mm-hmm. and go forward. You know, I mean, humans are capable of doing that. We've we've gone through crazy stages in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever your creativity is, I know um, John Bramblett. He's an, a painter, and he got on and he just paints as he's talking to other artists. And so you get to watch him paint. You know, like whoever wanted to be behind the scenes. It's like, oh, you actually get to see where they're going and their mistakes. And one thing I love about that creativity is even with your improv, like people can see behind the scenes, like what you guys are Mm -hmm. doing. And we're kind of breaking down that like, oh, they're perfect. They already know they're so far ahead of me, you know, and instead bringing like, no, I can do that too. Oh, look, he messed up. Okay. That's okay. Like, then it's okay that I messed up. You know, I just keep going and Make it funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have a sense of humor. <laughs> Could you imagine if Bob Ross was still alive today and he was doing Zoom calls while he painted? Oh, my God. <laughs> We'd all be, you know, half asleep watching him. <laughs> yeah, it's just a happy little bush. Oh, that's not a mistake. That's now a bird. <laughs> that's the whole bird. Our anxiety levels would be like underground at the point just listening to him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'd all know how to paint too because we'd actually pick up a paper right we, we have nothing better to do it's like okay bob i'll learn okay i'll learn i'll finally learn i heard that the paint stores actually ran out of paint because everyone ran out and bought paint because they're like oh i might as well learn how to paint yeah. <laughs> and that's good that's that people are, are doing creative things because <laughs> when you're being creative when you're you know making something no matter how good or bad it is it gives you something inside you that that attaches mm-hmm. itself to hope, and in yeah. this 
you know, pandemic era, so many people have fallen the other way and fallen into uh, mental health issues. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they're not talking enough about is the number of suicides that have gone up uh, because people haven't been able to find an outlet to cope through this. And it's, you know, that's been one of the hardest parts about this year is we focus so much on the virus. We haven't focused on the collateral damage of people who've been hurt the other way. Right. Right. And as somebody who has struggled with depression, that's probably pretty close to your heart. Absolutely. And yeah, I struggled with depression and thoughts of suicide for many years before I truly found a relationship with the Lord. And one of the things that I always offer is if there's anybody that happens to pick up this podcast and they're struggling, my email box is always open for somebody that needs somebody to talk to. Not, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I am a pastor, but I'm not going to throw a, a million scriptures at you and try to, you know, preach at you. I just want to walk through this part of your life with you and give you an objective voice to to talk to. So, uh, uh, my email is Dave at gifts the number four glory dot com. Dave at gifts glory dot com, and that email goes to my phone, and I will answer as soon as possible. If, and that's for anybody that's struggling with depression thoughts of suicide. Yeah. I just want to walk with you through it. I don't think there's enough of that. I think for 2021, what I've been reflecting on is how to reach other people and help, help other people through your gifts. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love helping people get their books published. I do indie authors, you know, helping them through that process, but also like trying to find ways to use your gift to literally help people. Yeah. You know, I, I know our gifts, like your your comedy or your book or your painting, it does bring light and joy to the world. But um, reaching out to middle America, reaching out like you do, and working, is it self, salt and light? Mm-hmm. You know, helping people like re-communicate again. Like I can't imagine having been taken out of sex trafficking or, you know, whatever abuse they've gone through and like learning again how to deal with the world and communicate and build self-confidence. I, I mean, we all need to help each other do yeah. that. You can't just do that by yourself, you know? And so uh, I like to challenge people like in 2021, what can you do with your gifts? You know, whether it's sending your books to a homeless shelter or, or prison or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know what I'm just pulling things out of my head. Because <laughs> 2020 was weird in 2021. We all hope won't be weird, but it's going to be weird. It, That's just my humble opinion. <laughs> it's definitely going to start off weird because there's so many people that are not ready to move past what's happened this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not talking about you know politics or about, you know, what you believe, what you don't believe. I'm just saying that there's been so much that's happened this, you know, in 2020 that there's going to have to be a, a grieving period before we can move forward, even when everything's open and we're safe to move forward, that there's going to have yeah. to be that cooling off grieving period so that we can, get to a healthy place to move in the 2021. And I hope that I'll have opportunities to use comedy to help in yeah. that transition. And, and here's one of the things I love is uh, Michael Jr., great comedian, gave an interview where he said, laughter is the tangible evidence of hope. And oh, I yeah. love that. And I want to, as much as possible, use comedy to bring that hope so that we realize that 2020, 2021, the things that happen that's not all there is. And here's me mm. getting my preacher's uh, pulpit, but 
there's a world and there's a life that's so much bigger than this one. This one's temporary and there's one that's eternal. And I want to use comedy as a way to point that direction so that we keep our eyes up and not down on what we see here, which is all temporary. Yes, I love that. And so where can people find you in this comedy as we (laughs) are in 2021 and they need a little hope or they need to just check out what you're doing and and maybe baby step towards the hope? Uh, You can find uh, me uh, if you're looking for somebody that's... uh, that can teach improv as a way to uh, improve uh, things. You can find me at real Dave Ebert on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can find the, the, the improv comedy troupe at well-versed CMDY. Uh, that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And it's uh, comedy without the O and the E because Twitter only lasts so long a handle. And I wanted to keep everything uniform. So it's at well-versed CMDY or at real Dave Ebert. I see that now. It's like CMDY. Sometimes it takes me writing it to be like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And why are you real? Uh, Because there's another Dave Ebert who uh, is also from the Midwest uh, who also does comedy. But he's not clean. Okay, so <laughs> uh, and I had I had at Dave Eber for a long time on Twitter, and I kept getting tagged in stuff that people were wanting his attention, and I was like, nah, I, I'm not that Dave Eber, but thanks for the thanks for the love. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could just take all the followers and be like, all right, now let's do some clean comedy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. and then your podcast is called Gifts for Glory, mm-hmm. um, and that's four spelled with. The number four so giftsforglory.com and then you can um, also find him from with the podcast handle at gifts for number four glory on all of the social media sites as well exactly well thank you so much for coming on and talking with me dave absolutely thanks so much for having me and uh, it's been a joy talking to you Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils Olympic podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.